Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Good afternoon, Milwaukee. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show. Always a smooth transition, isn't it, Jeff? Always, absolutely. Jeff Orlowski, of course, joining us, the Polish Pipe Bomb. I'm Steve Zotke. And for those who are just wondering, uh, some shows you have like a good five-minute buffer. Sometimes they'll do sports updates, so it's a little seamless. It's a little easier to do a seamless transition. With us, Mike runs... uh, Right up to almost the end of the hour, and there's not much time. And plus, when you have guests involved, and you're just trying to move a lot of meat in the studio. Yeah, shuffling people in and out, collecting headphones, exactly, all that kind of stuff. So we got sometimes about a it takes and a half. longer than uh, you know. Some 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 weeks it's good, and other weeks it takes eh, a little bit longer. Yeah, well, this is one of those weeks. We're here. We're ready to rock and roll. And there is a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, we were talking about in the uh, pre-show meeting, the uh, how uh, you know some week, you know some weeks, you're like, okay, well, should we talk about this, this, that, or the other thing? But this week, a lot of news, 
in 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 the world of auto racing, especially on the NASCAR side. Yeah, and, uh, show kind of writes itself today. It certainly does, and uh, we're gonna start off. Well, should we start off? Well, I guess they're both somewhat controversial subjects, but the one I want to talk about is the Bush Clash. Okay. For those who might not be aware, they're moving the Bush Clash a little bit earlier into the year to be on the weekend of the 24 Hours of Daytona, which in itself is a pretty hefty weekend, obviously. Uh, and that, that that is the traditional kickoff of Speed Weeks. I always get kind of hit my head against the wall when I hear them uh, for ARCA weekend or and the Bush Clash. Oh, we're kicking off Daytona. No, you guys have already been racing there. There's already been a few races on the sports car side, which... Which, I mean, last couple of years, they've been getting close to over 100,000 people there. Yeah. Just yeah, huge, but- huge crowds. Now, it's a different crowd because, because it's a 24-hour race. You're going to be camping out and doing a lot of stuff in the infield, whereas there's not a lot, if anybody, in, in the grandstands. So it's kind of a different animal. It's a different beast. So it'll be inter- interesting to see how this works out. Yeah, it is a different animal, but it's very similar because everybody's drunk. <laughs> And uh, if you're camping out, you got a 24-hour race, uh, you know the cold ones are going to be flowing and you're going to be having a good old time. So while you might not sit there and uh, and spend a whole lot of time in the stands, you know that those guys in their RVs got it all on their TVs and everything like that. They're following along on their computers and and all that. So, um, oh. but yeah, they have been pulling in some great crowds for that race. Did I mention the Bush Clash is, is going to be run on the road course? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I don't like it. You know, um, part of the reason, you know, that first of all, if I was an owner and, uh, you know, say I'm an owner of a lesser team and I was I was surprised because there were like three or four guys that qualified Mm -hmm. for the Bush Clash that did not run it this year. I wouldn't run it. Because you're just tearing up a, a perfectly good race car for nothing. Well, here's the caveat. They're going to a new car next year. Right. Which we're going to talk about in just a moment here. But so the, uh, I, I guess they're going to be running the old cars. So there's nothing worse you can do to tell a bunch of race car drivers is, hey, by the way, this is going to be the last race in this car, so just have at it. Right. Because we've, we've seen what happened to that at Las Vegas in the IndyCar series. Uh, that was the last race for that generation car before they went to the, the, the current uh, chassis that they have now. And uh, so it, it, it could get really, really ugly. Now, that being said, let's take a look at the last few Bush clashes. They Those were really been, ugly. They were nothing but demolition derbies. This car's driving into each other. Right. It was, uh, it was pathetic, and it was a very... Uh... It was a low point for NASCAR. It did not uh, showcase any talent, and uh, it, it was it was horrible. But, you know, like you said, you, you tell these guys, yeah, this is the last race for this car. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, it's... you're begging for another Ryan Newman. Well, you're begging for another car to go, I, I don't know. It just An Austin it's, Dillon it's, it's... or... I, I think because of the it having a road course that may help, but I, I think you know you always, they always talk about you know the uh, will we have a race in which a car won't finish? This actually could be it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's bad. You know we've seen how 
the last few races the, or the last few laps at road America, you know, it takes, it takes sometimes an hour to run the last 10 laps at road America for the Xfinity series. It's just, you know, cause there's so many yellows and full, full course yellows. You gotta get the field all together. Green flag, another wreck. Wait another 15 minutes. Yeah. Green flag, another wreck. And just people driving in, in, into, into each other, you know, yeah, it's it's a recipe for disaster. One of the reasons why I I liked the Bush Clash is because it gave the guys uh, a chance to sit there and get seat time, and you know learn if there's any changes to Daytona, you know uh, through the off season, and you know because they they last raced there in July, um, and so you know it just. It was practice and all that kind of stuff. More time in the well, draft. I think more more than that, though, it was also kind of a almost a reward for the fans, right? You know, I mean, because I, I remember when that thing came out in 1980, and it was live on CBS, and that's Buddy Baker and the Gray Ghost, and you were like, it was like a preview, and you're like, wow, this guy, this car is really hooked up, and I think it was a Harry Rainier car, and uh, it was like. Oh, this is really cool, and it was, I think, just one one segment, 40 laps, boom, have at it, guys, and, and away you go. Right. And, okay, and then you had, uh, you know, a couple of years later, you had the big Ricky Rudd crash. Okay, but it's a single-car crash, though. I mean, they weren't taking out the whole field, and then it's just kind of ran it ran its course. You know, I, it's – how can I say this? Um <coughs> I've been involved with a couple of charitable charitable banquets and dinners and that we do. And these there's been dinners and, and, and different events in Milwaukee for many years. They've had we've had um uh USAC banquets and whatnot, postseason banquets and dinners and, and there's a they had a dinner they used to have a dinner before the Rex Mays Classic in June. Uh, that was hosted downtown. That was a big deal. You get a lot of people from all across the, the racing world, uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, you know, and it was kind of a, a big deal for a few years, but these, these dinners and that have, have, have a, a, a life of only a few, you know, usually about 10 years. I right. was involved in one locally with Russ Lake and we did it for about 14 years. And that one was modeled with permission from Dan Cotter, who did one for the Boys Club in Chicago, which ran about 10 years. And, you know, we've, uh, I have a friend of mine that does one in Chicago now, and it's, it's you know, it's a struggle to get people, it's always a struggle getting the drivers in. Because the off-season, even in the off-season, these guys are so busy. But, you know, you just wonder, I guess, Jeff, does the Bush clash Maybe it's just ran its course. I mean, should we just let the thing die? Is there something, maybe do something else? I mean, IndyCar had the thing called the Marlboro Challenge, which they ran at the end of the year, which was kind of similar. They ran it at Laguna Seca, uh, and it was with for all the race winners and that for a million bucks or whatever. And they did that for a few years, and it kind of eh, lost its luster and went away. So at, maybe sh- should we just let the thing go? Well, with the way that the TV ratings were reported for the Clash, you can't because people are still tuning in for it. 
And, you know, it's the first race in two and a half, three months. However, the uh, extremely short off season is in NASCAR. And uh, so people are excited and people will tune in to watch it. But um, you know me in road courses, Steve. You know, I want less road courses. I don't want more. And uh, it, does it lose luster for me? You're damn right it does. Yeah. And you wonder, so I, I just wonder, or maybe try something else. Maybe try and get more guys involved with the 24-hour race, which they did for a few years. But it would just be one or two guys. Jimmy Johnson did it a year or two. Uh, Jeff Gordon did it, I think, twice. Uh, I think the most successful one, the coolest one, I thought, was when Dale Sr. and Dale Jr. ran that Corvette. Right. And unfortunately, two weeks before he died, or three weeks before he died. But I thought that was so cool to see. And and just the show, and I think it was kind of eye-opening to a lot of the you know, the, you know, the snotty, some of the snotty road racers who thought, oh, they're just an NASCAR racer, just how talented Earnhardt was. And yes, he could ride road courses. He could ride at night, drive at night and even in the rain. Right. I mean, his lap times were right up there. They kind of went through the same thing with, with Foyt when he came and did the 24 hours in the early eighties at the age of, you know, almost 50. So it was kind of, I thought it was just the coolest thing. And seeing him in an open face mask and that and the in-car cameras, I mean, that was one of my favorite 24-hour races of all time. And so I maybe try and put an emphasis on raising that race more. I don't know. But you just wonder, maybe, you know, try some outside-of-the-box thinking. Now, speaking of outside-of-the-box thinking, <coughs> one of the things that came up on NASCAR Reddit Dale Earnhardt Jr. brought it up on his podcast, which is uh, they're trying to change the numbers, or, or it's a it's it's a trial balloon, basically what it is, and uh, what what they were, what they are showing is perhaps a different way of of and they've done this before. I'm going to show Jeff the photo of it because he hasn't seen it. Uh, different ways of of for sponsor guys. This has been done before and it's been disastrous. ASA, member of the American Speed Association, one of the awesomest series, especially for us in the Midwest. Such a fantastic group of, of guys that came through that series, your Rusty Wallace's, your Mark Martins, Ted Musgraves, and on and on. And it went through some, you know, different ownership and promotion and that. And I want to say, I want to say it was in the late 90s, maybe around 2000. They came up with this idea to... Bring in more sponsors. We're gonna put the win the, the 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 door numbers on the rear quarter panel, behind the rear wheel, and it looks stupid. Now, what? Why this was such a stupid move? Because it was a mandatory move. So if you didn't have any sponsorship, you had this big slab of nothingness on your door with this stupid number on the back. Yeah. And series, series have been doing, I don't understand why these series have hate numbers. Why do they? See, even series is interested in this. Siri even broke up. Uh, why they hate numbers. I've, we've seen this with Champ Car and Cart in the late 90s when they took the numbers off the side of the cars. Formula One went through this. 
finally, when this new group came in, they said, what do the fans want? One of the things was numbers. Hey, guess what? We have prominent numbers on Formula One cars. I'll give them that. Formula One has a lot of issues of late, but I'll give them a thumbs up for, hey, at least they got numbers on the car. This thing came out of left field. I don't know why. Earnhardt Jr. hates it. Dale Jr. hates it, as do I. I mean, if they do this, this you know, this would be such a nail in the coffin of so many of their core fans because there is something almost religious about the numbers in NASCAR, and it's always been that way. If there's anything uh, that, that connects fans more, you see it with the number three, how iconic that number three was, and you go past go back in history of other cars, whether it's Bud Moore in the 15, Banjo Matthews with the 27, the Wood Brothers, of course, with the iconic 21. Why you would even throw this? It, 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 it's because, well, I know why, because it's some pencil uh, geek in Daytona that doesn't know anything about racing, got into there, and it's came up with this idea. It looks stupid. Unless it, it, it's just, I am just. Yeah, I don't like it either. But I do think that the number love has diminished. And the reason I say that is because partly of Austin Dillon running the three. Well, I, and it's not just because I hate Austin Dillon. You know, if it was, uh, if it was Kevin Harvick, you know, say he was still at RCR and he went from the 29 to the 3, I wouldn't like it. The 3 should be retired in honor of Dale Sr., and no one should be able to run the 3. You know, um, RCR should be able to print as many T-shirts as they want, sell the hell out of it, but I don't think that car should be on the track. So I think that the number love has gone down, but like you, I am not a fan of uh, It's, it's of the one idea. thing. Well, Junior brought up a good point. Uh, and then we'll take a break here. We'll be coming up with uh, Dennis Michelson coming up in the next subgame. But Junior brought up a good point where he says it's I, it's even I, it's even more important now because the the livery livery of the of the cars changed so much with all the multiple sponsors. The one constant is the is the number. That's whether true. Whether it's the eighty eight with Alex Bowman and all the different cars they go through the twenty four and you see it, but you know. Boom, you know who it is. Uh, Chase Elliott in the nine. Right. It wasn't right that Chase Elliott was in the 24. It didn't make sense. You know when when it really made sense? Seeing him in that number nine car. Right. So I, I just, NASCAR, just get, just don't do it. Fire the guy that even floated this idea because he's poison. And this is this is the problem that we've had with NASCAR. Uh, with with these stupid ideas, they made so many bad ideas. And speaking of which, bad, another guy who's been doing bad ideas, Brian France, we'll be talking to that in the second <laughs> part of the hour about that too. So, uh, you know, get rid of this guy. Get get somebody else. Hire, hire a kid that's been a fan of NASCAR from North Carolina or something instead of some guy from Idaho or whatever. Yes, sir. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dennis Michelson. We'll talk more NASCAR coming up next on the Final Inspection Show.
final inspection show. Steve Zaki along with the Polish Pipe. I'm Jeff Orlowski. Of course, I'd like to thank our friends at Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com and also on Facebook. All is time to get your 2020 season passes. So I'll look them up and get your 2020 season passes and for that you can use all year long. Of course, uh, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, big events and a big course, other big events uh, throughout the year, including the truck event that we did last year, Jeff, which blew our minds with the amount of people they had there. Oh, it was awesome. It was so cool. And, uh, you know, let's be honest. I'm not Mr. Truck. I've had trucks. I've owned trucks. I like trucks, but I'm not, you know, Mr. Four-Wheeler. But I tell you, I was impressed by some of the vehicles I saw out there. A lot of fun. And just the, the festival, and just a, it was just the cool, it was a cool vibe, I like to say, wasn't it? It was awesome. And, uh, you know, we can't, I can't say enough good things about that place from uh, the, you know, the hospitality that Roy Henning and, uh, you know, his dad and everybody like that, they, it makes, they make you feel welcome. It's a, it's a comfort. There's a comfort level at Great Lakes Dragway that you, know, you don't you see at all lot tracks. Of, yeah, you go to a lot of places, and it's like they're doing you a favor by letting you in the door. Great Lakes does not make you feel like that. They make you feel welcome. Uh, the food is great. The drinks are great. It, you know, it's it's a great great spot. Get get your season pass. It is worth the money. It's Especially feeling welcome. Here's here's a guy we love to feel welcome almost on a weekly basis. It is Dennis Michelson from FrontStretch.com and D-Mike Media. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Hey, guys. It's good to be here, and I couldn't even uh, brag as much about Great Lakes Dragway as you guys do. That is a that is one of my favorite places to visit, though. It for certainly is. For all the reasons that you said. Yeah, for all the reasons that you guys said. You walk in there and everybody's in a good mood and they all treat you great mm-hmm. and the food is fabulous so yeah that's that's a place you got to be hanging out uh, all summer long well uh dennis let's talk about the great the, the the great fall of nascar they'll be out of uh the the, the panic uh they'll be uh, cease to exist as a series in a couple years because yes they've gone to a single lug nut in the cup series yeah you know this this is just uh terrible um you know but but you've got to remember that you know there there have been a lot of great racers who have have been able to succeed in racing with one nut and, and I, <laughs> you know lance armstrong for one is is a classic yeah except. yeah See, good the point only thing i'm gonna miss the only thing i'm going to miss is that iconic sound of five on five off? Um, you know, because when you're down in the pit area or you're watching on TV, Dennis, I don't know. Be, I, I don't know if it's because no. of my age or as I get older or what, but that really irritates me. The whining, oh, it, it's a pitch that. that I know some people really love it. I just never have been a big that. fan of it. I'd rather have the low. <laughs> torque wrench of the single nut but that's just me <laughs> i know people go oh yeah he's the indie car guy this and that but i don't know but uh well it, here's it, here's, it, here's my biggest okay here's my bigger concern with this car is i would like to see them during this off season or even in the fall do a couple of exhibition style races with this new generation car this next gen car because I would like to see it in action 
for a few exhibition races, even if it's just half a field, like 20 guys out there, just to get a feel for what this racing is going to be like so they can tweak it before they get to using this car full time. Because the last time they brought a car in, it was a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. But the only good thing is they were only using it for like eight races, you know, for the first couple of seasons. So you had a chance to see some good racing while they were working out the the tweaks. Here they're going to be making a lot of radical changes all at once. I'd kind of like to see this car in action for a few exhibition races just as a shakedown cruise, even if it's just at Charlotte and, you know, like Martinsville or Bristol, tracks that are close by, or even take it to another track close by, take it to Rockingham and put on an exhibition. I don't care where you do it. Just put on a couple of exhibition races so you can kind of get an idea of what all of these changes are going to mean for the racing. Do it in Nashville to raise money for the tornado uh, people. That'd See, be a great Je- idea too. they should hire yeah. Jeff instead of that idiot that came up with this number idea down in Daytona. That's a very good uh, idea. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so it, yeah. this this single nut thing makes a lot of sense. Though, there for those who may not follow it as closely, NASCAR is going from a 15 inch to an 18 inch wheel. Uh, the, the 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 tires are going to have a lower profile, something more akin that you actually see today, as opposed to that real thick. Uh, big, uh, you know, as uh, as as uh, they talked about in Days of Thunder, with uh, you only have eight inches of rubber underneath you per corner, as opposed to a sprint car when he was talking to Cole Trickle. Uh, but anyways, I, I I think it makes sense. They're going to a new car. Let's let let's bring let's start to bring racing into the 21st century. They finally got rid of the stupid carburetors. People people learn to move on. I just think, though, you have to draw certain lines in the sand. And like, like the junior said very eloquently on this podcast this week, you know, I I don't want you – know, we don't have to die in this mountain about the single nut, uh, lug, lug nut. But the numbers thing, if I don't know if you heard me in the prior segment, uh, Dennis, oh, but yeah. this this yeah. trial balloon, they, they, they hunt, that is a deal breaker. They cannot do that. If you want to move it, uh, like junior said – it's okay to move it between the tires. If you want to move it back a little bit, when you see, you know, you see a lot of, uh, you, you'll see that on on, uh, on super late models or late model cars. Sometimes they move it back and forth a little bit. If you uh, remember the iconic uh, Dick Trickle uh, purple Mustang, you know, the 99 in that car was just in front of the rear, rear wheels. That's fine. But get don't, don't do anything weird. Don't make them smaller. It, it's fine. Just, but... Dennis, what do you think? It, well, in this day and age, where it's you're changing paint schemes on a on a semi almost on a weekend to weekend basis, you need the number on the side of the car to to identify who the heck is driving it. And I don't like getting away from the numbers on the doors. That's like tradition as far back as you can go, and in stock car racing, I I don't know. Change for the sake of change never makes sense to me. There's plenty of places on a car to sell the advertisement, including on the doggone roof. The numbers on the roof only were there because you had people up 
in the in you know on the spotter stands, you know up in the press boxes that were doing scoring. So you needed to have that number on the roof. So that advertising space is dead. You don't need the numbers on the roof to identify cars when you got electronic scoring anymore. That's where I would make the change if you want to add advertising space, but. This whole change for the sake of change thing in the sport is getting getting crazy. You also mentioned the Bush push. I have no I have no problem getting rid of that race because it's turned into a crash fest. The race only started because CBS needed a way to practice doing the Daytona 500 coverage. And they also wanted to have an event to hype the first live sure. flag-to-flag Daytona coverage. It turned into a tradition that's been with us for 41 more years. But if you do away with it, that's fine. Just don't call a road race a bush clash. That's like moving the Southern 500 to California and still calling it the Southern 500. It would make as little sense. So come up with a new name, you know, the Bush Challenge or something else. I've been on that that case, though, about that race ever since they stopped making it special for the poll winners. That was that was a poll winner race. That was something you had to win your way into. Just being the biggest star of the of the season or of the, the series didn't get you into that race. There were years that Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt didn't compete because they didn't win a poll. So that was supposed to be something special. They stopped making it special years ago. But that's why that race started in the first place. Let's not pretend that this is some almighty event that needs to be held to promote the Daytona 500 because it kind of promotes itself at this point. Talking to Dennis Michelson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And uh, in the, coming up in the next segment, we'll be talking uh, from the documentary Uppity. We'll be talking with Willie T. Ribs, Hall of Fame uh, race car driver, so looking forward to that. Dennis, one more question. Uh, of course, the Cup Series and Xfinity Series is in Phoenix this weekend. And uh, I smile on my face, and I thought of you when they were talking during practice. Uh, yes, it's the small spoilers. Normal spoilers are back. <laughs> Proper spoilers, I guess, if you want to call them, uh, are back in the Cup cars. Uh, what do you think about that, Dennis? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, the idea is to, to – not have that drag on the cars and to take away a little bit of the downforce. I don't have a problem with that. I would like to see on mile and smaller tracks them open up the wheel wells again mm-hmm. like they used to back in the day because then guys could actually make contact with each other. They could beat and bang without ruining their day. That's the bigger change that they are avoiding. Ever since they went to these tight wheel wells on the, on the smaller tracks, on the one-mile and smaller tracks, the Phoenix is a mile, but it races like a short track. Uh, ever since they went to the, the tighter wheel wells, these guys don't make contact anymore. And that used to be guys leading on each other at Phoenix was a regular thing back in the day before they changed the, uh, the way that track raced. So that's the bigger thing to me. But I'm glad they gave them more power. Like they... they you know, they take away power at the intermediate tracks. They've got more power, less uh, less downforce. That should be a good recipe for better racing. I'll do one more question with him. Why don't you see? Make sure you get him on the phone. 
Yeah, Dennis, did you see the ARCA race last night? I missed the ARCA race last night. I was I was out and about. Um, it, it I was kind of surprised. I don't know if it if what the deal was. If they ha, have you noticed the direction on some of the Fox broadcasts, some of the camera angles and whatnot, have, or they they've been switching when 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 they shouldn't be switching, or, or I don't know. I it just seems like it seems to be a bit to be desired. What do you think? They're trying to go for the artsy uh, thing, the artsy look of racing. But sometimes in auto racing, it's the simple things that are better. I mean, they're, they're trying all these newfangled gadgets and the drone and all this kind of stuff on on race broadcasts this year. Do, do fans really care about that, or they want to just see good racing and good race coverage? I think sometimes in the sake of making it look pretty, you take away from what the fans really want, but then again, maybe we're just not getting enough racing, and they're thinking they got to show us some artsy stuff to uh, make us not think about the lack of battles for the lead. Yeah, I was just kind of surprised at some of the camera angles in that. You know, there's that those the the Sunoco fan, the Sunoco sign was getting in the way of a certain things. I just, you know, you you would see a car make a move for a pass, then they cut before they would make and just. Certain things like that, I just kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit, but I was just wondering if you noticed it. We'll talk more about that ARCA race coming up in the next hour. Uh, kind of a surprise there at the finish, so I wanted to touch base on that. Dennis, thank you so much. Uh, we certainly appreciate coming on the show. Looking forward to chatting with you next week. All right, guys, and we're uh, looking forward to doing some more coverage of Milwaukee sports on Mike Media. You guys have a new pro team in town, the Milwaukee Monarchs. Women's Ultimate Frisbee uh, League is coming to town. And uh, we'll be filling you in on that throughout the year as well. All right, very good, Dennis. Thank you so much. I was Dennis Michelson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Coming up next, we'll be talking with Willie T. Ribs. Coming up next on The Final Inspection. Back to the final inspection show. Moving along here, Steve Zotke along with uh, Jeff Orlowski and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from uh, Willie T. Ribs, Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs story. Of course, it's a documentary profiling the driver who challenged racial barriers in American auto racing, becoming the first black driver in the Indianapolis 500 on a fantastic documentary that is available now on Netflix. Willie, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you. And, are uh, you up in Milwaukee? Uh, you're in Siberia, right? Yes, we are in the in the upper Midwest, which surprisingly uh, we might get an early spring this year. It, it's in uh, probably going to be in the fifties today. So yeah, we're going to have to pull them uh, them groundhogs out and and, and inspect them. <laughs> so how are things in Texas, sir? 
Good, good. I'm getting ready. To, uh, I'm eating. Uh, I'm heading to the ranch uh, for practice. For those who may not be aware, Willie's son, uh, Theo, is a world championship shooter. And uh, how, how, how did that come about? Well, a lot of the race drivers when I was racing, Andretti's, for example, uh, Murray Hall and a few others, they liked to go out and golf. That was their recreation if they weren't driving. Uh, golf is way too quiet for me. Anything I do, I want to hear some noise. I mean, uh, no matter where it is, in the bedroom, in a race car, uh, or, or shooting a shotgun. So uh, uh, that was that was my hobby. I didn't, you know, I grew up shooting with my grandpa on the ranch and uh, hunting quail and pheasant. And uh, when I uh, retired from racing, uh, I started clay shooting, and then my son would go with me as a little kid and push the buttons uh, when we were practicing. And uh, he started shooting when he was nine, and by the time he was 14, he was one of the top juniors in the world. And then when then he became junior national champion, then K Cup national champion as uh, after he was 21, and now one of the top shooters in the world. In fact, he's won his first two events. This year uh, in Florida, and just recently last weekend in Georgia. Excellent, very good. And uh, this is—I mean, for a guy who's been out of racing for a few years, the last few years have been just incredible. I guess it started with uh, Adam Carolla and Nate Adams, who did a documentary on Paul Newman, in which you were uh, part of. And from that, this documentary came about. And it, it when you—I guess uh, we mentioned this last time you were on the show—you kind of stole the the movie a bit uh, on that Paul Newman uh, on how Paul helped you uh, with, with your career and that, and your, 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 the uh, attitudes that he was able to show you and kind of warn you of the pitfalls was certainly a compelling story. And uh, Nate Adams, who I've got to know over the last couple of years, a fantastic, uh, talented uh, producer and director uh, put together this documentary, kind of walk us through how that, how they approached you on that for the, to do this one up. Well, well, when we were done with the Newman project, uh, Adam Carolla uh, contacted me and said that, you know, you got a great story and and it, and uh, the world needs to see it. And uh, so I said, on one condition, we tell the truth and we're not going to sweep anything under the carpet. It's going to mm-hmm. be the good, the bad and the ugly. And the ugly is, go- uh, is going to get their butts hurt. And uh, as my grandpa used to say, that's why you got a butt. So uh, we we did the film, and it's been worldwide. We were uh, number one on Netflix worldwide for a week. So the the response worldwide has been phenomenal. The the job that Nate Adams and Adam did, and Tony, their editor, is just. It, it, it tells a story, and it's not about racing, really. Mm-hmm. Racing was the platform. It was about um, it was about perseverance and never quitting. And I've got young millennials contacting me, crying uh, as to uh, what it meant to them. They in, in tears that they have no excuse. They have no excuse not to succeed after watching the film. 
It certainly is. I, yeah, that's a good point that you brought up. Uh, okay, Mr. Ribs, it's Jeff. Uh, you've raced more in the last few years than you probably have in the last 10 or 15. Did you ever think you'd be back behind the wheel like you are now? Uh, no. Uh, I was I, I was traveling around the world with Theo, um, you know, with his competitions worldwide. However, I didn't think I was going to be pulled out of the pasture. You know, I was ready for the glue factory. <laughs> and uh and and dog food and then uh i got a phone call from tony perella the owner of svra who said that he wanted to put a bunch of former indycar drivers and nascar drivers together and sort of recreate iroc but only in vintage cars so we we are now competing in V-Rock, which is Vintage Race of Champions against Alan Sir Jr. and Bobby Labonte and Mike Skinner and Max Pappas and Paul Tra- uh, the the lineup the lineup for V-Rock is actually bigger than the IndyCar series today. It so, is yeah. Well, yeah, anything it, with it, Paul Tracy makes it bigger than life, doesn't it? Well, you know, we're something's going to get knocked over. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, I always called him Dick, Dick Tracy, because he, he was uh, Mr. Excitement. And, and you know, we're not as fast as we used to be. It's like any former great basketball player. They've lost some, they've lost some feathers. Well, we lost some feathers. And, uh, but the... Fan response has been insane. And, you know, we're racing at Road Atlanta in March this year, the end of March, and then Indy in June, Father's Day weekend, then Virginia in September, and then final, which is an add-on. We were only doing three races. Now it's four. And Texas at COTA, uh, the Formula One premier racetrack here, um, has got the finale. And what what – What's next for you, Willie? Uh, I've been, I've been, well, it just is happening uh, every every day. Something new. Right. We were speaking uh, speaking engagements, and um, I'm working now with uh, Scott Bruschetta, who uh, was uh, Taylor Swift's former agent manager. In fact, he discovered Taylor Swift. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruschetta's got uh, uh, a laundry list of things that he's getting me involved in. He's he's a he's a neat guy. A funny story, real quick. Uh, I'm at a at a party at the Indianapolis Motor Museum, and my my friend is there, and his son is there, and at that time his fiance. And we're we mentioned Scott, and she like what what? She's like yeah, he's we're we were talking to him about a vintage uh, Indy car that he was restoring. And he was looking for some help on and parts and whatnot. And she is just melting. She's like, "Oh my god!" Is she, you know, because she's a she was a amateur singer. She does singing on the side. And then she explained. I, I didn't know at the time. I, I knew he was involved with uh, Big Machine Records and that, but I didn't know how involved with you know American Idol and all the other thing. So we we brought her over there and introduced uh, Scott to her, and she was just a, be- a bowl of jelly the rest of the weekend. A lot of fun, but he's a neat guy. Owns a, a fabulous uh, 
bunch of uh, vintage indie cars, uh, mainly uh, Dan Gurney Eagles, and of course Dan Gurney. Uh, you had the pleasure to race uh, for him in the '80s in the, in the Trans Am uh, series. Just a real last question, real quick. Uh, give me a good Dan Dan Gurney story. Dan Gurney was the master of sarcasm, and uh, and uh, he used to have titles for like General Mo- General Motors. He called it generous motors <laughs> and and uh he 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 was just phenomenal to work with and um but he because he understood he understood what a driver wants not out of a car but once out of himself and and dan was not one of those owners who had never raced before you know the owners who never raced before you know they they're raw raw fist boom bob bullshit, and um, and you know get out there and 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 go knock them over and you know you, just almost like wannabe race drivers or fan uh, like a fan or something. Mm-hmm. And Gurney was exactly the opposite. It was about keeping you cool, keeping you when you were when he was on the radio. He had the best voice to listen to. Of uh, any owner I'd ever raced for, just very smooth and uh, uh, almost unhurried. If you were falling behind, he would tell you uh, uh, why, what was happening, what and and what you needed to do, uh, where you could gain back. And if you were out front, he would tell you uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Fantastic, yeah. One of my one of my favorite guys in racing I've ever met, and. Uh... Just a true true treasure. Willie, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, make sure that our listeners get out. If you're not on it, join uh, Netflix and make sure you see it. It's a fantastic doc- documentary. And, uh, Willie, thanks again for uh, taking time out being on the show. Yeah, we bet. Stay warm up there. All right. Thanks. I was Willie T. Ribs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion now grown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. We'll be back after this on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with Jeff Verlosky. That was a lot of fun. Willie T, Dennis before him. A lot of stuff going on. Like I said, this is, uh, I don't want to say unusually full show, but there's a lot of stuff happening on, uh, including, uh, and and, uh, this is a public service announcement, Uh, Xfinity qualifying is on now. But for those who, you know, of course, uh, this is really one of the first best, uh, probably the best, weekend for weather in uh, in the upper midwest uh you can skip it no need to watch it no need to watch the race this afternoon because kyle bush is in it so right. just be uh warned ahead of time uh unless you're looking to take a nap or something or something then fine but other than that um it's going to be uh ugly uh now which i should be careful of that because last night we had an arca race uh, it was a combined race between the East West, I guess the big ARCA series, whatever at Phoenix and Ty Gibbs was in it. 
Ty Gibbs, of course, driving a, a JGR car is probably most superior to anything else in that series. Ran away with the race. Now, Venturini Motorsports is, is probably overall one of the better teams in that. Uh, was kind of staying, you know, just being there at the end. And if pretty much for the first, you know, there were some uh, incidents, cars spinning and whatnot. And then there was a, an incident late in which uh, through pit stops in that, Chandler Smith was able to get ahead of, of uh, Ty Gibbs. And, and then with his teammate Venturini, uh, teammate between it was able to pass uh, and get in front of him. Um, and it was uh, Ty Gibbs did not win. And he was not happy about it and uh, said so. And and so here it is. It's uh, locally probably 8, 8.30, almost 9 o'clock at night. He's on pit road. It's dark out. He's wearing his sunglasses. He just, I'm sorry, he do, just looked like an idiot. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, you know, just, and I know he's 17. Uh, you know, I shove a microphone in my face on TV when I was 17. I probably, but it, it, he, let's put it this way, he didn't really endear himself to many fans last night. No, he didn't. And you got to be smarter than that. Even at 17, you know that, you know, half of your job, if, uh, if you want to be, you know, move up to the Cup Series, is PR, and uh, you have to be good at it at a young age. And I understand, you know, these guys trip over their words and stuff like that. That's fine. You're young. You know, you're 17. But to sit there and with the shades on at night and all that is just a bad look. Yeah, I mean, it's a it it it, it visually though it's a little troubling too. I mean, because you got a kid who's 17. He looks like he's about 12. Right. And he's complaining and bitching on TV, and you know. I know, okay, boomer, you know, if you want to say, even though I'm not a boomer, but, you know, if, from a sport that has Buddy Baker, Dale Earnhardt Sr., and these tough guys, guys, tough guys, there's not a lot of tough guys in NASCAR anymore, is there? <laughs> no, there's not. You know, you look at, uh, you know, look at who's running the Xfinity race today and see how many you actually think yeah. have facial hair. All right. So, that's you know, one of the things, unfortunately, it's part of the game now. You know, it's it's a younger series and whatnot, but. What are you going to do? Let's take a quick break here at the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll be talking to Fast Eddie Lapine, who's down in Jacksonville at Amelia Island. Uh, a lot of news there, too. So uh, we'll talk to Eddie coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 